Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. Here, we believe success is inevitable and everything is possible. On each episode, we get real about the entrepreneurial journey and look at what it means to lean into your intuition, feel in alignment with your business, have coffee with resistance, and trust in abundance. We answer the tough questions. How can we show up authentically in business, with integrity in relationships, deeply seeking in our spiritual practice, and with grace in motherhood and beyond? This podcast celebrates the anti-hustle, healing from toxic productivity, prioritizing rest, and discovering tools that will support both your healing and business growth journeys. Your time and energy are precious resources, so thank you for being here. Your presence is a gift, and your business is thanking you. Get ready to get real, get honest, and keep growing. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm so happy to be here today recording with Elizabeth Ralph, who is just this incredible human who has dropped into my world, and now I just can't seem to get enough. And I'm so excited if this is your first time meeting Elizabeth, um, you are in for such a treat today. Before she joins us, a brief intro, Elizabeth Ralph has helped hundreds of six and seven figure entrepreneurs shift into building unshakable wealth through her program, The Spiritual Investor. A thought leader in the financial and manifestation space, Elizabeth helps her students become savvy, aligned investors by changing their stories, relationship with money, and creating sustainable wealth strategies of their own. I have had the amazing honor of working with Elizabeth and learning about your story and your business. And we're so lucky to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Back to you. Remember last week when we uh, did something together and I was like, oh my gosh, just the way that you just, I don't know, you carry an energy as your listeners know. So here I am, I'm in your energy. (laughs) And as I said to you, when you said that last time, same knows same. And it's really beautiful when these kinds of sort Mm -hmm. of digital, um, you know, energies can, can combine because you can even feel it virtually. And I think that's my biggest, one of my biggest takeaways from switching a lot of my work online during the pandemic. I used to be a yoga teacher and, you know, just being in a space and reading the room to working online. It was always about how can we create that sacred space digitally when we're in person, we can light the incense, we can change the lighting, we can put on music. And, and I, I have to say nothing beats in-person connection, but you can feel it. You can feel it digitally. You can. I know. I love it. Um, thank you for being here. I feel like there are so many places we can go and so many things we can talk about. Money feels like it's in the air in like a new way. And I feel like having you as our guest in Witchy Business this month just really amplified the conversation that I've already been having, that I've already been thinking about. And I realize this is like definitely a collective revolution, renaissance, but something is shifting and I can't wait to dive in. But before we do, I would love for you to share from your heart today, any context, any piece of your story that you want to really anchor people into to give them a little bit more of who you are and how you got here in a way that feels um, authentic today. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. Uh, well, I think a lot of people are kind of looking at their lives and going, okay, either everything's breaking around me right now because we all seem to be going. I feel like the people that are on the accelerated train are definitely seeing a big shifts in their lives, right? And so this shakeup, I think, is causing people to go, well, what next? And And also to have a deep knowingness that it's time to do it different. Like what keeps coming to me is the time is now, the time is now. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that um, I kind of operated on one phrase when I was in my, uh, this started when I was in my early thirties and I worked on a energy trading floor. And so I traded oil and natural gas and that's how I designed financial products for big corporations and all that. It was a great job, but I felt like I was becoming a puppet. I was going into like glass walled rooms. I was doing things that like, I mean, I didn't do anything unethical. I didn't lie, but I was bored basically. And I hate to say that, but I was. And so I was like, I need to get out of this. So really the big thing that shifted everything for me and hopefully could help your listeners, it wasn't that I found that perfect stock. I think people waste a lot of energy going, I don't know enough to start investing or, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to lose all my money. All of these things. Those are low level conversations that were really beyond. Um, What really helped me with that is getting so locked in with my why, uh, which for me was helping horses. Uh, I have a strong connection to horses and I really wanted to start funneling money towards them. But at the same time, I knew I didn't want to like work on a horse ranch and all of that, but I just wanted to help them. So I created a business that started funneling money there. Um, like I was, I was basically donating a percentage of the proceeds from a vacation rental. But then what happened is people started coming to the vacation rental because they heard the story behind it and it just ended up being magnificent. And then it got on HGTV and all this stuff. In other words, Krista, shit, I could never plan. I was like, the universe stepped in and was like, woof, was like, I am here for you because I so strongly got in alignment with not just the why though. And this is what I think you and I are going to dig into on is the money aspect of it, the clear channel of money right? The allowing of money. Cause that's like, I feel like people spend a lot of time in like manifestation mode, but then like, you got to move into the, uh, actually getting the dollars in the bank account. And that's kind of where I come in and kind of combine both, but that's, uh, that is ultimately, that was probably the biggest thing that allowed me to retire at 39. And basically my retirement was everybody gets to choose this, by the way, choose your own version of financial freedom. Mine was cover long-term retirement and be able to cover my cost of living today. You know, it wasn't anything like outrageously profound. It was simple and direct. And so I love helping people do that because honestly, I know what works, (laughs) you know, I didn't read it out of a book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. I feel like so much is coming back to me from the other night in terms of what you were sharing. And I just think you really allow, like give people permission to, I don't know, dream bigger, name the thing. I'm not sure what it is, but when you were sharing about the horses, my sister was typing in the chat. My sister was on the call, different last names now because I'm married, but she was typing Um, Now this means my geriatric dog rescue 
dreams can come true. And it's like, we have these things. Like she talks about this all the time. It's like having this little place to rescue old dog, like almost like a hospice care Mm -hmm. for like old dogs. And it's so specific Mm -hmm. and it's like, I can see it, you know? And I think when you're talking about when you're speaking to manifestation, it feels very specific. It feels very action oriented, which I really appreciate. But I think a lot of our clients have a hard time with the naming. And I think naming it and getting really specific, like what you just said about your definition of financial freedom, it was so specific. It was these two things. And how do we know that we are reaching financial freedom if we don't know what our goals are? And so this is something that it's like, oh, I don't know what I want, but it's like, But actually, we really need to know what we want and we really need to like tap in and and get clear on what we're doing here. And I think what you make me realize is I can have it all. And what I am setting as the standard for my life is the sand is what I'm allowing. That's exactly right. And that was my biggest like aha moment that I really wanted to drop back into. And the biggest thing I wrote down, I was just like skimming through my notes from the other night was I receive what I allow, Mm -hmm. which was just this like moment for me because it's the life that I have created for myself is actually limiting in some ways. And the example that you gave, which I loved, and I wanted to share the story was you were talking about these things that um, are quote unquote, like money things that we are attached to as part of our identity. For you, it was a pool at one point. Swimming was a part of your identity. For me, the first thing that came to mind was my Jeep. And we were talking about how my fear is to not, you know, be able to drive around town. And, you know, it fe- I feel something in my Jeep. It's a part of me. I believe we carry our identity wherever we go. I have tattoos. Like I want to be like a vibe wherever I am. And so my Jeep is a big piece of that. And then you just totally schooled me in my whole way of thinking because you said, well, okay, the Jeep disappears, but what if it's replaced by... And in my mind, I was like a 1970s, like vintage matte blue Bronco. Yeah. (laughs) And in that moment, I realized like by saying the Jeep was my end all be all, like by attaching my identity to that, I was actually limiting myself. And that's where I want to start this conversation, because before we can get into the lies and the truths and all of that, I want to remind you listening of your power and of your energy and the answers that are within you. So I would love for you to share how you drop your clients and the people that work with you back into that space of this is up to you. Like this is your currency. This is your life. It's so much easier said than done. And I have practices that get me into that space and like owning my power, but I would love for you to share how you do it in your own life and like believe because it's one thing to say, I allow what I receive, but to believe that and to know you can do it differently. It's a lot of work. It feels like a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, that's funny. I, I love that you said that. So it's a lot of awareness. Yes. 
that's a lot of work for me. <laughs> yeah. So if, if awareness is work, then it does feel like a lot of work, but awareness, that's a question for you is why does awareness feel like work? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big See one. what I'm talking about. You call that. <laughs> Tell me, like, talk to me about this awareness and yeah. how we can practice it. And so it doesn't feel like work. And, and so it feels like we are more in alignment with the things I want, we want, because I think f- so many of us feel out of alignment with the things we desire or so mm-hmm. far away. And, and I know in my knowing it's not true, but in the day-to-day practice, how we remember. Yeah. Well, you actually said something. I mean, you actually said the answer within like sort of your answer already, which is that's that's like the whole spiritual principle is like all knowing, you know, is not knowing. Right. So it's like the answers are already there when you said the word standard. And so. uh, okay, so I'll I'll give you a silly story that will exemplify this in a, in a really tangible way. So I was at the grocery store and I, the, the checkout clerk was like, had the groceries and like going through. And this other woman comes up, this other checkout clerk. And she says to her, how many people have gone through the line today? You know, have you gotten your 50 yet? And I was like, okay, well, there's some kind of challenge or game or whatever. And the girl was like, no, I haven't. And then so she's trying and she's like frustrated because she's only had like 30 something. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, what what are they getting that they need to like spend their whole day thinking about and rushing and like orienting their their precious because energy is our best currency. They're giving their energy to this, right? And I'm thinking, what is this? And then I overheard them talking about they get like some kind of free thing in the lunchroom, like some kind of free food item or something. I'm like, okay, this is where standards come in. Because where my mind went immediately to, because I have a video inside of the program called Elon Musk you, because I really kind of study a little bit of like, what, it, how does he do it? Right. And I bring it back to the students in a tangible way, almost the other extreme. Right. And I'm thinking this comes down to her standard, no judgment, but her standard is yes, I'm going to do something all day long. So I get a free lunch item. Oh, Elon Musk would never do that. Do you see what I'm saying? So our whole lives are created. She might not realize that she's busting her ass for the free lunch item. She'll go home and be like, Oh my God, this person said this, this person said that I had to work an extra hour later. I didn't get my bonus. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She'll go home and her mind will attach it to other things. But if we truly, and this goes back to like the awareness thing is awareness contains an element of self-responsibility because you can't be aware unless you are bringing everything back to yourself. And so the first thing that people have to do is take self-responsibility for the fact that every single thing in your life is what you've created. The next layer on top of that, after you do that, is self-love with money, which is, okay, I did the best damn job that I could up to this point. Today is a new day. Now, what I'm going to, what am I going to do? What that does is that allows you to, like Abraham Hicks says, It's the cork that rises. So what that does is it's getting that weight off of that cork and it's allowing you to go up. You're actually elevating in frequency when it comes to money 
But the problem is at that point, you're you're operating at a higher frequency. You feel that ease. You feel that awe. You might feel more unconditional, more giving, but you don't really know what other things to do in order to create the new circumstances. Mm -hmm. So there, therein lies the gap. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 It makes a lot of sense. And I think the idea of self-responsibility is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. I think we like to, we like to complain about things that are not in our control. And this is something that I have recently realized in therapy is the things that I am most impatient with are things I can't control. Like yeah. traffic, for example, when there is traffic, I behave as if it's like a personal offense on me that I am being inconvenienced in this way. This mm -hmm. is something we're going to have to deal with our whole lives, right? It's something that's outside of my control. And yet I put so much of my energy on it. What I'm learning from you and just from therapy and the idea of self-awareness and self-responsibility is we have more control <laughs> over things than we would like to think. It's almost easier to blame things outside of our control than take responsibility. And it's become the norm and it's become easy. And I was talking to my friend recently and I'm like, you know, I am present and that's actually a lot of work for me. Like, that's it. I have nothing else going on right now. I'm present as a mom. I'm trying to take care of my mental health and I'm realizing my thoughts are literally controlling my whole life. So I'm just working on that right now. <laughs> like that's mm -hmm. it. And in the last 30 days, I've created more abundance in not just money, but time, energy, opportunity, through doing this work. And I don't think it's any coincidence that you're like back in my space in such a big way when I've been doing this work because it was like off, you know? And like you said, it's like when the awareness is on, it's on. And once you know, you know, and we're here now. And if you're listening to this, it means, you know, and it's time to sort of take that responsibility. And so for those of you who are ready, welcome. Let's do this together. I would love for you to share with us a little bit more about, ugh, do we want to start with the truths or the lies? That's <laughs> what I'm thinking in my head. I want you to anchor us in a little bit deeper, like why someone might not be ready. So let's talk mm -hmm. about some of the lies we've been told or some of the things that might be popping up for people right now as we're talking, because this yeah. is not a, it's, it's not a light topic. I love money, mm -hmm. but for so many people, you're feeling something right now. And for those people that are feeling uncomfortable or uneasy, let's talk to some of these lies. Let's talk through some of this stuff before we start working on where we're going. Yes. Yes. Well, if I were to feel into the energy of what I think some people might be thinking and some people might be getting tripped up on right now, uh, and this is based on just the amount of workshops I give students. It's also based on just even the sentiment in the market, because uh, the I mean, 
the market is just a literal, it's just a global decision-making process, right? Where it's like up, down, and that's just the way people feel, right? So um, I think a lot of people are unsure about what's going on in the market right now. Mm -hmm. I think the news definitely, we know it kind of spins and elevates. Um, I think also people are concerned about debt right now. Um, I think that people are feeling bad a lot of times. I, I think, okay, so this is this is one of the lies that we that we have been told, which is um, the past decade, uh, it has been sold to everyone that a smart decision financially would be to leverage debt because it's like cheap debt at that point. It's like three percent interest to go ahead and do that, and then just buy whatever you can, right? Well, now that interest rates have gone up, now it puts people in a different situation, whether they have credit card debt that's now the interest has gone up or they're in a bind with a home or whatever. Now it's a different conversation. Well, I think that we have to realize that we were sold that. So now we don't at the same time get to feel bad about it though, right? Because that's I think that's what people are doing. They're looking at it like, okay, I have... X number of dollars in credit card debt. And it feels heavy. Mm -hmm. It feels like you've done something wrong. And I think it's it takes real. It, it affects yeah. self-worth. These are like real issues. Yeah. It affects the way that you feel about your own success. Yeah. I think it takes people back to like childhood stuff. Like you've done something wrong. Oh, I should have listened to my parents. Cause like that's another lie that you've been told. Your parents' generation was so different. The world does not look the same economically as it did back then. I mean, we understand that when it comes to technology. We're like, okay, technology-wise, yes, the world looks different. We have to also realize the money world is different too. You don't get to buy a house for $50,000 like your parents did. You don't get to do that. So your cost of living has gone up tremendously, yet the incomes really, they've gone up, but really a fraction of the amount that the cost of living has and everything's gotten more expensive. So there's a reason that the highest educated group in history is the millennials, but they also own the least amount of wealth mm -hmm. because they have been taught to be in debt. Mm -hmm. And so now what it is, is we have to realize that wow. that was a sign of the times. And so instead of continuing to go on, just plod along and just listen, listen, listen. Right now, it's so important for people to break the cycle. And I'm almost, I'm almost at a point now where I don't even care what you freaking do. Break the cycle, because that's more important than making the best next decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel I feel that heaviness and I feel that every time like it can just feel I don't know. I it, it's such an interesting thing and I just wrote down in big letters as you were talking just the energy of money and it's just I'm li I'm listening to this book. It's such a hack. It's like one of my weird hacks that I do and it's by Catherine Ponder. It's called The Divine Law of Prosperity. 
and it's written in the 1950s. And so she's actually talking to housewives and it's in this context that they can create their own prosperity through these laws of thinking. And it's really spiritual. It's a lot of Jesus. And I love Jesus right now. And it's just a totally different approach because I'm not a housewife in the 1950s. But the idea was that even if you didn't have a job, even if you weren't responsible for the quote unquote money, you could still have an impact. And these stories of these women changing their mindsets, creating these prayers. She was talking about prayer. We're saying manifestation. Like it's just so funny. And it's this hack. And I listened to it on audible and it just gets in my psyche and the energy that she talks about, it like brings me to this space of like, this doesn't just have to mean in your business or in the, like it was such a different time, but it's the practice and the prayer and it's the energy. And I think if we can clear all the noise of the economy and what feels like is happening and what's like, it's this energy of money that makes the world go round. And if we're not leaning into it, then what are we doing? We're not creating, we're not designing, we're not making an impact. Like everything we do and say and sell and buy and experience is in this like capitalistic society and experiencing it through this book. I just felt so called to share as you were speaking, because I'm not any of those women in the book, but yet it, she even talks about how you can clear out your closet and speak about new clothes and clothes coming into your life. And then this like magic all of a sudden will happen where you'll win like a gift card at some local shop. And it's so much beyond our circumstance. And I think that's what I learned because we are all born in these certain circumstances. And in this, in the people that were reading this book in the 1950s were housewife women who didn't have financial say or responsibility or control or any of the stuff that we have now. And that's a whole nother conversation because I just feel so lucky to be a businesswoman in this time and space with the technology and everything we have at our fingertips. I just, I'm so lucky to be alive now. But what I'm realizing about this book is it's beyond circumstance, this money energy, and it's about how we're thinking about our lives and what we're attracting. And I feel like that's really sort of bulldozed over with these lies that we hear. And mm -hmm. it's almost like getting so far away from the root and these principles of it. And I know you talk about the laws and there's just a lot of spiritual elements that you bring in. And I was wondering if before we went into the truths about money, we could share a little bit more just about the sort of spiritual approach or the energetic approach. Um, you know, in this book, she's saying it in a very almost Christian approach to looking at money. Like, but it, it what it's saying to me is there's something bigger. Um, it's more, it's more than just like something that we can label on the stock market or the economy or our business or our MRR or the things that feel real. Our 30K debt, credit card debt, that's how much is on my personal credit card right now, you yeah. know, in order to be able to do the things that we're doing. And that feels heavy. But then I sit here and I'm like in this knowing space, but it still feels heavy. And it's like this paradox that I feel like I fluctuate between. And mm -hmm. I think what saves me is my spiritual practice and sort of 
the knowing and belief and the energy and connection to something bigger. And I was hoping you could talk to that side of it because your program is called the spiritual investor. And just what that element does for me is everything. And I was hoping you could share about your experience. Yeah. Well, you know, when you, so you said your spiritual practice saves you, right? Mm -hmm. And so your spiritual practice gives you what? Ease, flow, like, tell me, what does it create for you? Trust. Trust. Okay. So this, this is the peace and trust. Okay. So I I believe that we're, that we're moving into a whole new era whereby the spiritual element of life is much more of a guiding factor for a lot of us. And it's almost like setting the bar for the principles, like you were talking about with that book. That's a, it's basically, it's a principle-based book that is applicable in a certain way. Right. And so I believe that we're moving into that. And the Mm -hmm. next thing that people are going to start doing is allowing money to become part of the spiritual practice. Mm. That's what people are not doing right now. They're seeing money as this financial arms link distance. I still need to do that. I don't want to do it. It makes me feel awful. makes me feel heavy, blah, blah, blah. And then they have their spiritual practice. Well, there's, that's kind of what we have to bring together, which is why that's my whole business is bringing these two things together. Right. Because, and I didn't just choose this. That's how I did it. I got so frustrated in year three of my whole wealth plan. The numbers were there, but I was like, Oh my God, I can't do this until I brought the spiritual element into it. Then it was like, okay, it was like a lock that clicked. Right. So Hmm. when when you were talking about the debt, the credit card debt, let's go back to that briefly for a moment, because I think this is really going to help some people. So you said it feels heavy. Mm-hmm. So now let's go one level deeper with it. What is causing you to be available to choose that it's heavy? Like what's causing you to to be okay and have your have it be okay with you that you're choosing to feel that way about it? Right. Well, I mean, I know the answer. I think. Well, it it goes back to like society telling me, right? Like when you said millennials were taught to take on debt, I'm just like sitting here nodding. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's going back to what I have known to be the way to solve, you know, certain cash flow things, whatever, under pressure as an entrepreneur. And it makes me feel like weak. It makes me feel like my business is, my business has always been financially better than me personally. And it's like, so funny that what I do in business and that energy that I can create and manifest and call in, like, doesn't translate always into how I take care of myself personally, I guess is the best way to say it. But for me, it makes me feel bad. It makes me feel like a fraud. It makes me feel like, why am I not paying that off? But instead, the other side of me is like, well, I I pay $500 a month to carry this debt. And that's like amazing that the system allows me to do that so that mm-hmm. I can keep investing over here. It's always a paradox. 
But I think when I'm not in this state of taking self-responsibility and awareness, when I'm not in that super hyper-aware state, the default is for it to feel heavy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so- I think that's how a lot of us are. Like once we're naming it and speaking to it and like bringing yes. the spiritual practice into it, it automatically feels lighter. But in the day-to-day when we're not aware, these things feel heavy. The debt feels heavy. The payments feel heavy. But then we think about, oh, why we're doing it, like you're saying, and I can talk myself, I can justify mm-hmm. why well, I mean, keep it. Debt is abundance, to be honest with you, because someone somewhere said, believed in you enough to to give you a, a line of credit, right? If you lived in like some other countries, you might never be able to get that. So we have to do that. We, we have to acknowledge that. Um, also... We have to acknowledge that it was a choice. And so mm. why would we ever allow ourselves to consciously choose something and then beat ourselves up about it? There's the, dic- the dic- dichotomy there. The other thing is a lot of times we're blocking money because we like to categorize things. And why is it that $30,000 on a credit card is so different than if someone said, Hey, you know what? I've got this house on Santa Monica Boulevard that I just don't want to deal with. I don't even want to deal with the realtor. Uh, You can have it for $30,000. You would be laughing all the way to the bank and you would be so proud that you are (laughs) $30,000. So true. It's It's the same ones and zeros. Yeah. So it's it's breaking the structure. I'm going to keep going back to that. It is literally throwing the structure away. And starting with a clean slate when it comes to perspective, mm-hmm. actions, relationships, uh, a practice with money. There's so many different elements that go into it. And I th- I feel like we're almost, I feel like we've moved into the advanced phase of mm-hmm. money in terms of we're all done with the airy-fairy conversations about money. If Just feel good and money will come to you. Right. We're done with that. Right. Yeah. No, we're here. We're here now. And I think that the biggest takeaway I have from working with you, I mean, there's a lot of them, but this idea of allowing money to become a part of the spiritual practice, I think for me as an entrepreneur, I always say entrepreneurship is like my direct line to my spiritual, like it's the most spiritually challenging, like, who are you existentialist? What are you, who do you serve? What do you believe? What do you like? It's just the biggest mirror. And I think our relationship with money can be that. And we just like to make it so heavy. And I tell this story. I was um, sitting with some Baba Nath Babas in Pashupati Nath temple in Uh, Nepal. And I asked about money. I asked about being a householder on the spiritual path that is making money. And he just looked at me and was like, Shiva loves money. We worship money. Yeah. And it's like, why do we make it so heavy? You know, why do we make it so heavy? It's not that heavy. And, you know, so many things he enlightened me about that day. We, someone else that was there asked about yoga in the West and how maybe, um, you know, appropriated it is or how they feel about yoga. He goes, Shiva's wish was for yoga to be on the tongue of everyone. We Mm -hmm. are happy. 
Like, Mm -hmm. it's just not this heavy ego thing. And for me, when I can let go of the ego and step into that abundance, that universal energy, that universal love, the heaviness can really fall away. And I think your practices really cut through that. Um, When you say certain things, it's like, I feel that same way that I'm sitting there getting a spiritual teaching right from the Baba. He taught me more about money in five minutes than any, you know, mastermind I've ever done. It's, it's simple. That's so great. I love that. I love that you had that experience. Yeah. And now they call me when they, when I've seen them the next time they go, Hey, business yogi. Which is such a paradox, you know, and, but it's like, it's light to them. It's funny. It's like, there's this lightness to it. And that's for me, why I have my spiritual practice to remember. And so in these moments, I just think that is what is my anchor. And so I wanted you to share to your insight, because for me, if I didn't have some of these practices and beliefs, I just wouldn't. I don't know where I would be, but I'm just so happy to have it. And I'm just so happy that there's thought leaders like you out there, you know, talking to this in such a deeper way that makes it lighter and makes it fun and makes it playful. And so I would love for you to share some of the truths that you talk about around money and about building wealth specifically, and just start how we, how we want to start building wealth, because I think for me, talking about the credit card debt, talking about the heavy stuff, it does take up a lot of my time in my business. I I feel like I'm moving money around all the time. Like all I do is just move money around. Like turns out as a CEO, that's all you do. Um, and you know, so much cash flow and so much cash flow out, and it's abundant and it's magnetic. And I love being this conduit for money. And I feel like that's where I'm now. And I want to go into a space of now building wealth because mm-hmm. I've created a business and flow for money to come in and flow and create and build. And I can afford to pay my team and I can afford to pay my rent, but I'm not quote unquote building wealth, or at least I don't feel like I am. So I would love to hear how we can start to, I think for so many people in witchy business, this was a huge monumental moment of like, why am I not investing just X amount? from that? Why am I like, why am I not starting to build wealth today? And I want to talk to talk to this in sort of a bigger um, capacity before we sort of go into specifics, but just building wealth, what's Mm -hmm. coming up around that for you? How do we start to share with people the importance of this and just the, the ripping the bandaid off, leaning in? How do we do it? Well, I think, you know, we, we just talked about, uh, that, you know, we're, we're just going to pick on millennials. We're going to say millennials are, uh, like we said, they actually have the, the, I think it's 4.8% of the total wealth belongs to millennials. That's shockingly low. Um, but I, I believe that there's actually a double whammy for millennials and I, I don't want to scare anybody because there's a lot of fear out there with money and we're not trying to do this. But what I want to do is I want you to really, really hear this, that there's a double whammy going on. So if that is if that is where everyone's falling right now on the totem poles in, in terms of total wealth, another thing that millennials are doing is especially entrepreneurs 
is they're not investing. They invest, they probably have a crypto account that they're doing and they're messing around or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then they're got they're going, okay, my next big launch, I'm gonna put twenty thousand dollars into my retirement or blah, blah, blah. Like, and then all of a sudden they need something else with that twenty thousand, right? So they're getting stuck in this wedge. And then what's happening is as the years go on, it's 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 not the dollar amount that's not being put in the best investing account. It's the it's the opportunity cost, which is the missing out of the compound rate of return. So that five hundred dollars. Tell me more in, about this. Tell me more about this. Well, the five hundred dollars that you put in now, let's say at thirty five is going to be astronomical in terms of the compound rate versus the $500 that you put in even at like 42. Right. So what it's doing is at every single month that goes by, it's literally costing you more and more and more and more to live as an adult. It's like it's like sliding down a slide and not being able to catch the edges. Mhm. And it's a double whammy. And, and I I really, because I feel like that, that's my whole thing here on life is to help spiritual people be wealthy. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I really, if, if you don't take anything else away from it, know how serious this is to start doing now. And also another thing, don't get hung up on the amount that you have to do with now. So, that is, that is, I think the most important part, like. Yeah. Whatever that percentage is, we also had our team meeting after and we decided on the percentage we want to start. There's an organization I've been wanting to give money to for a long time. As soon as you gave me permission to give less, like I thought I had to be making a certain amount because Mm -hmm. I was so hung up on the amount. So I just want to like call this out in big flashing letters, like $50 a month, $15 a month, like That was the permission I think so many of us walked away with in terms of starting to invest now and the importance of that over time in looking at how we're spending things month over month. Like you can cut something somewhere and that power, you know, again, was given back to us to be like, where do we want to cut it from and where like you made it exciting. And so I just want to like highlight that is that it doesn't have to be 500, doesn't have to be 5,000. And that permission was like, oh, I can start putting money aside for this organization tomorrow. Oh, I love it. Oh my God. Thank you for telling me that. I'm mm-hmm. so happy. About that was that. a huge yeah. takeaway. So thank you for saying that again. Yeah. I mean, if if you have a roof over your head and you have a working cell phone, other than that, there should be nothing in your life. Your your life is not bad enough for you to ever not invest. Wow. I mean, you can buy a share of Amazon for the same price as you go out to a shitty dinner. So, and how many times do people go out to dinner and they're like, yeah, that was okay. They get back in the car. They think nothing about it. Right. So if you're not investing, that's a choice. It's, it's, it's not your circumstances. Mm-hmm. And there's the sword. Yeah. So what are some more of these truths um, around building wealth that we can talk to? And for somebody that is like, okay, I totally get this. I'm here. I am a part of the new world. I feel this. I'm connected. I'm a conduit. 
And mm-hmm. yet I don't know how to invest or where to invest or where I would buy an Amazon stock or like just there, it feels like a barrier to entry. So mm-hmm. I'd love for you to share a little bit more to now how, you know, we talk about a lot of manifestation, but without the action. So what would be some next steps or action steps for somebody, even a podcast, even a book, even a resource, even a course, (laughs) wink, wink, um, for someone who's like, okay, I have the ability to do this. I want to do this because I think that's what we all walked away with is a really tangible action step, um, for starting to create and build wealth. I think the first thing is, well, first of all, you have to see yourself as an investor. Like you have to switch that light switch. That's the first thing. Because if you go into it and it's just an action step and something on your list that you have to do, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to be energetically connected to it. And we all know that money flows, money is energy and it flows to energy too, right? So you have to make that sort of psychological switch. You know, you know, I talk about the money conduit. So us being a money conduit rather than a receiver. So I sort of think of it as like almost like the money comes in like through like top down, like your head down to the to the ground. And so that that identity thing, you need to really step into that first. The second thing is, um, you know, money kind of get like if I think of like the think of like your middle section, like your neck down to like your torso. That's really somewhere in it is usually when we feel the resistance with money. Like we look at our account and it's not what we wanted it to be. Or all of a sudden, like the water heater goes out and you're like, holy shit, right? Where do you get that feeling? You get it somewhere in that area. So that really is where you'll benefit a lot from getting clear on money, the cash in, the cash out, just really digging in there and looking, logging into those accounts. Most people have an investing account, I'll say, even if it's an old one from an old company or something like that, just, I would say, go into it with full neutrality. Money neutrality is, is, the greatest opening to money. We won't even get into that, but that's like one of the big, big principles. It's like, how can you be in money neutrality? How can you literally be like the the yogi that you're talking about, right? Who was just like, yeah, he seemed happy, but he's really in neutrality. You know, he's really like, it's like a water flow in and out. We can actually get there. We can, with these principles and practice, actually become the modern day yogi where the money flows through us like a conduit. Mm -hmm. Um, But the work now is to set it up, like you said, like, what do you do next kind of thing? The third thing is really the investing. And so I think of it kind of going down. The investing is the expansion of money. So when you expand money, you're also saying you're raising your hand to the universe and saying, yes, universe, I'm ready for more. So it's like, think of it like it's coming through, coming through, coming through. So in terms of what to do next, I think it's identifying where the stop point is, because if it were just as easy as going out and opening an investing account, then everybody would have done that already because it's free. You just look that up online. That's no big deal. There's a, there's that there's, we're talking about what's the real work before that? What's the runway? And so everybody's going to be different, though, on that. That's why I wanted to really explain all three steps. Now, if you're at a point where you're like, okay, I've got the money kind of like you are, right? You're like, okay, I figured it out. I know I'm going to have this money sitting here and I want to invest this. Then the next step for that is I would figure out what type of investor do you want to be? 
in your parents' generation, they had to go to a financial advisor or they needed some type of advice because it was all behind like a, a curtain. You couldn't really do anything yourself. Okay. Now you were saying you love living in this era, right? It's all technology. Everything's at you know our fingertips. So now it's like, do you want to really learn about investing? Is that something you're interested in? That's the first thing. Do you want to set up investing where it's automated? And it's kind of like you're going into like more of a low cost thing, not paying high fees, but you just want to set it and ride type of thing. Um, or do you want to maybe not even invest in the stock market and do other things? There are people who don't, I mean, I wouldn't do that because the stock market is the largest wealth train in, in history, but you also don't feel like you're pigeonholed into certain things either. Um, I'm all about how can I, because this is what's really worked for me, is how can I be the most creative with money? I combine creativity with money. I know the rules and the principles of the financial world. And so I bring those in and then I go, I'm not intentionally trying to break them, but I'm also not, I'm going to take them with a grain of salt, you know? So it's like, how do you combine? Well, for me, it's like combining the principles of Warren Buffett with the modernization of the opportunities that are out there now. That to me is the sweet spot. Yeah, that was awesome. I wrote down so many things and that was so helpful. So many takeaways. Thank you for sharing that. I think the biggest thing for me was thinking of myself as an investor. That's it. Like yeah. it's again, that shift. I was like, oh, I'm not an investor, but to say, oh yeah, I am an investor. I've actually invested in a lot of people. I've invested in a property, right? I own a home. And so, holy shit, like I just realized I'm an investor and that sure. changes the energy. And I think it can feel like, oh, but I have like this personal debt. So I'm a fraud. I'm not really an investor. Right. And it's like just owning, like the first thing that came up was, oh, you're not really an investor. Like what an imposter. And yeah. that's the ego that's coming up. So again, it's like shifting that perspective and whatever is breaking your flow, you know, clogging the pipe so that you, when you say I'm an investor, whatever that uh, comes up, like that's actually <laughs> the problem, not what, what website you go to, to like create a free account, you know? And so I think that that was really valuable. And again, it's just like these micro shifts. And when we can see these little micro shifts over time, for me anyway, it's like that something that little, like, oh, I actually am an investor. Mm -hmm. That's it. And yes. like that has like this infinite ROI. Like I find that the micro shifts I make, especially around my relationship to money and like clearing any of these limiting beliefs or lies we've been told they're small, they're little pivots. They're small, little like realignments, you know, it's like the chiropractor or something, but it's like such a big release, mm -hmm. you know, even though it's like the littlest thing. And so I think so much of um, investing in this conversation feels so much bigger and feels so out of reach, but really it's just these little micro shifts that we can make. And even investing in, like, there's so many things that I consider investments. Like you said, energy is also, you know, our biggest currency and most valuable. And I agree. And so it can just expand so much beyond, beyond money. But for the sake of this conversation, I feel like I'm walking away with so much, also, how can I be the most creative with my, like, it's fun. It's playful. It's like, 
how can we create this really easy relationship with money? And that's why I like you speaking to the conduit. Um, and that's something that you can strengthen. You know, a conduit is something I always think about that, that, you know, me and my dream clients, there's like this energetic sort of tube. And every time they give me money, it strengthens the tube and it's like stronger and stronger and stronger. And it becomes easier and easier and easier for them to give me money because the service is there. The trust is earned, right? All of those things we do. So why aren't we doing that on like a bigger scale? It's so funny, like these little, yeah, these little things. So anyway, this was just such an amazing conversation where can we find more? So if somebody's just really excited by what they're learning, um, what would the next step be in terms of working with you? You have so many amazing free resources, incredible offerings. Like if this is just the littlest like pinky toe in the mm -hmm. water of the world of Elizabeth. And so I would love for you to share just some more on what you're doing now and the programs you're hosting and how people can join you because there's so many ways, there's so many ways to soak up the magic. Uh, yes, there are. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, podcasts. So I have the spiritual investor podcast, which people, they like that. Uh, you and I are very similar in that we just go deep. It's just tell it like it is. It's just real. And even a lot of the spiritual investor students, they really rely on the podcast to sort of stay in the energy of it, even while they're going through the program. Mm. So I would say that's a great free resource. Um, we have uh, the five-day series, which is uh, you helped us with that. And it's it. absolutely brilliant. Uh, and then the biggest thing that we have coming up, which I would say this would be if I was out there and I was like, you know what? I want to dip my toe in. Honestly, we have a live workshop coming up in April. We have not run one since January, but the one in January was wildly popular and it was so good. And so we're like, okay, let's do this again. So it's April 19th. So I would just go to elizabethralph.com. I'll link the workshop. Yeah, you can link the workshop. And also if you follow me on Instagram, which is just Elizabeth Ralph. So, uh, you know, either place you're, you know, it'll be, it'll be in my bio there, but that is probably what I would do because it's really low cost, super, super high value. Mm -hmm. So uh, you will definitely be able to walk away from that at a, at a higher money frequency and having sort of your basic next, okay, here's my game plan going forward. Here's what I need to do to make my next, my next best decision mm -hmm. on this. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, but you know, some people listen to the podcast and they're like, I just want to work directly with you right now. I mean, if you want to join the spiritual investor program, you absolutely are welcome to just again, elizabethrolf.com and you can jump in with us now. Um, really, I like to provide a lot of different avenues in because I think it's kind of like, I think people like choices and who knows what they're ready for at the time as well, you know, so. No, um, that's one thing I love about your offerings is if somebody's ready to go all in and do the program yeah. and really like full on, which I know so many people are just a straight hell yes right away. Um, yeah. But also some of these more accessible offerings like this free workshop, I or not free live workshop. I actually wanted to talk about that because doing the live workshop with you um, in Witchy Business was like 
such a great way to experience you. So if you're feeling the vibe, I highly recommend checking that out. Um, I love that you say that you'll walk away with raising your money frequency because that's how I feel after every conversation and through your Awaken to Money series, which is another amazing offering that you have um, in your shop. It's just, it's, it's up to, you know, it's yours. And I think, you know, my spiritual guru Maharaji named Krole Baba used to say, you know, all the money in the world is mine. And, and mm-hmm. I just feel that way, like in, in such a non-ego way. And yes, I love that. And it just, um, when I sent the witchy business email before you were joining, that was the quote that I, that I put. And I think when I leave conversations with you, that's how I feel like it's mine. It's already mine. And, and what my clients, what I want them to feel is success is already theirs. You know, like it's, it's already yours. The success is inevitable. And I think that too goes with money and the life that we're creating in life that we desire. And, um, I just, I love this conversation and I can't wait to collab more together because I just think that you're so awesome. Oh, you too. I know. I love talking to you about this and I feel like we totally co-create this together. Like it just takes it to a whole other level when you and I talk about this and like, I even like when, when I'm like listening to you, I'm like getting like new concepts, like new ideas, like all the stuff, like, like continuing to go through. It's like crazy. It's fun. I mean, it's fun when I know, like I say this all the time, but it's so true and it's so cheesy, but it's like when you're saying namaste to someone, it's like my soul sees your soul. Basically, like, it's like, I see you. And that's how I think about it. And that's like when I'm in that place and you're in that place only then can. Right. And so I think about that on the pod as like, and especially in these types of relationships that I've formed, like these bonds, I was thinking about this today, these bonds with people and you're one of those people. And it's like, because she's dropped in to the space. And it's like, we both have to like make that choice to drop in and then the flow happens. And money is one of those topics that I think is really exciting for me to drop into in such a like heart space kind of way. And, and that's what you bring. And so I'm just so grateful for the work you're doing for, for the, you know, you're really helping people heal a lot. And for me, it's that steadiness. It's that money neutrality, because you know, as an entrepreneur, I talk about the waves or the mavericks of entrepreneurship where I'll make, you know, mm-hmm. like you even said, it's such a millennial thing as an entrepreneur to make like, you know, six figures, one month, seven figures. And then all of a sudden have like three really, and now I'm stuck with lumpy cash flow and I don't know anything about invest and blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, it can just easily turn into this heavy experience. And so riding those waves is something that I'm trying to learn how to do that whether we have a month up here or a month down here, I'm still here. And that's the steadiness. That's the money neutrality. It doesn't mean I don't care. It doesn't mean I'm detached, but there's a level of trust. And I think when you said, what does your spiritual practice bring you? It's trust and peace with money. And I think that your teachings make me feel like at, at peace um, with that energy. And so I'm just so grateful for that and for you. And if you could leave us your future customer, somebody that's dropping into this pod, who's ever coming in your world now or in the future, what is your prayer for somebody who's finding your work and um, in your space virtually? 
Wow. I would say uh, your ultimate goal, uh, it actually is, is higher than money. That's why we, we're saying all this stuff is the same, right? Unconditional love, money, uh, creativity, this it's all the same energy. It's just our interpretation of how it flows through us. So I would say um, the ultimate goal is to be able to show up in any given moment, whether it's on a sales call, whether it's a, a conversation with a contractor, whether it's a conversation with someone you don't even freaking like that ripped you off, right? To be able to show up and literally your energy does not shift. Mm. You're not giving your power away. You're not needing this person to make a decision. You have no idea how much you will achieve in life if you can do that. And it starts with money. Mm, that is so good. Thank you so much for everyone listening. I know this was such a powerful episode. I feel inspired. I feel excited. I feel expansive and I hope you do too. More of this to come. Catch everything that Elizabeth shared in the show notes and I highly recommend following her on IG and I love the pod. I love the pod. I know it's like a big off-brand plot twist for me, but I don't listen to podcasts very much because um, all I do is talk. And so when I'm not talking or inputting, I'm silent um, or I'm silent or music. I'm a playlist connoisseur curator, but I've been listening to stay in the Bob, to stay in the money Bob. And so highly recommend checking that out. And thank you as always for being on this journey with me. Thank you, Elizabeth. And um, yeah, guys, I'll see you next time. Keep growing.